Until he takes you out of the game, it's time for your team to step up. At Alina Health Orthopedics, you'll get expert care backed by a whole health system of providers with convenient locations, virtual options, and an app that gives you 24-7 access to your records, test results, and care team. You're always close to the care that you need. Schedule now at alinahealth.org slash ortho. I am Patrick Boyer, and you listen to Son of the Looms. afternoon or evening depending on when this finds you welcome to the sound of the loons podcast presented by alina health orthopedics i'm steve mcpherson and i'm joined by callum williams as we uh, enjoy the international break here before minnesota united's next game on june 19th against fc dallas and then their first game back at allianz field with just about full capacity against austin fc callum uh it is hot here uh in the twin cities uh, how have you been faring uh, your uh, your delicate British constitution. How has has that been standing up to this? It's been absolutely miserable, Steve. Um, <laughs> no other way of describing it. You know, it's just it's just very humid up here, isn't it? I don't mind the heat. If the heat is not um, really humid and sticky and gross, then I don't mind it. To be honest, if it's what I believe is called a dry heat, I have no issue with it. But the fact that we've just got so many lakes up here just makes it that much more humid and um, you know, just uh, I was walking downtown Minneapolis yesterday, and it was just unbearable. Now, having said that, I did have black jeans on, which is probably not the thing to wear. But, yeah. Um, my my legs are pretty gross, so I I won't um, I, I'm, I am going to resist temptation there, and, and I, I won't expose them to the public. Um, it, it's just been it's been really hot, Steve, and and I've been doing everything I can to remain cool. Uh, unburnt and British and that is essentially staying indoors with the aircon on and keeping hydrated as well um, by having several surly beers and uh, making sure that uh, I get through I get through this very hot and sweaty patch <laughs> I'm not sure that's how hydration works I think you're supposed to drink uh, Gatorade electrolytes things like that not so much uh, beer but I respect it um, yeah black jeans is just you're basically just cooking your you could like fry an egg on your legs basically at that point with uh, with there they are yeah it's looking good I, I had to wear I, my daughter had her first uh, both my daughters had their first soccer practices uh, on Monday uh, evening and uh, I wore a white shirt like just a straight up undershirt you know, I don't have a lot of white T-shirts. I have a lot of black and gray and dark blue and like a lot of those T-shirts. And so uh, I don't but it was just a straight up plain white tee. And it was it was the right choice because it has been absolutely miserable. I hear you on the dry heat. I haven't experienced it that much outside of Vegas is the place that I'm mostly familiar with uh, getting a dry heat, which is a very odd experience if you're not used to it. I grew up in uh, New England where it was also, you know, reasonably humid. I spent some time in D.C. where it's basically just a swamp uh, and then. And, and then here, obviously, it's humid. In Vegas, it was like, if you didn't move, you were fine. Like, if, as long as you didn't move, like, there was, you know, like, water would quickly evaporate off your skin and you're fine. And then you would, like, move and it would just get so hot all of a sudden. And then every 
indoor location is air conditioned within an inch of its life. So you'd come in sweating and then just freeze and get pneumonia basically is my experience of, of, of Vegas, not a huge Vegas fan. Uh, myself, I have one other question for you, Cal. Uh, have you ever followed or watched uh, professional wrestling? It's one of these things that I see people follow, and I just—it's—it's uh, it's kind of mystifying to me. I just—I uh, I, was—I was watching something just before I got on here. I thought I'd ask you: Have you ever been a fan of the wrestling? When I was a kid, yeah, I used to watch. It was—I um, think it was WWF back then, and now I think mm-hmm. it's W. Well, it's WWE now, isn't it? And the only—my only exposure to it recently is a good pal of mine. Um, who's also an MLS broadcaster for Atlanta, a chap called Kev Egan has, has just got on a gig on WWE. Um, and so I haven't watched anything. Um, I should be a better friend and, and, and watch some of his broadcasts, uh, I, I guess. But um, no, I've just not, not watched anything, to be honest, uh, for a long, long time, Steve. But from an entertainment point of view, yeah, I, I remember being thoroughly entertained as a kid and, and, and thought it was great. But uh yeah, maybe um, maybe now as I said, I've got, I, I know somebody who's who's working it. Maybe I should watch a little bit more. I just, I, I don't know, Steve. It's just never really appealed to me in my adult life. But you know, maybe I'm the one missing out. I have no idea. Yeah, it's hard for me to say, Cal. I, you know, like I, my experience was, I watched wrestling a couple times on TV when I was a kid, and my dad was like, "It's fake," you know. And I was like, "Oh." Never mind. And then I and then I started ignoring it. And then now that I grew up, I'm like, yeah, it's fake. And my friends who were into it are like, yeah, it's amazing. It's like a it's scripted, you know, it's like a TV show. It's got some sort of there's improvisational elements, but there's a lot that's like it's just watching your show. I'm like, oh, OK, so um, I don't know. It, it, maybe it's something I should dip my toes into, you know, like I, I, I comic books, graphic novels, stuff like that. This also stuff I don't follow that closely, but it's great if you can find mm-hmm. something fun to follow along. Uh, speaking of things that were fun to follow along with. The U.S. men's national team defeated Mexico 3-2 in the CONCACAF Nations League. Uh, uh, that was ridiculous. Uh, the Just a crazy, crazy game. Um, did you get to watch it? I did. Um, and I mean, it was unmissable in my opinion, Steve. If you're a, a soccer fan in this part of the world, I think it was the game to watch. And, and I've been watching this rivalry, Steve, U.S.-Mexico, for you know, probably about 10 years now since I, I came over to this country first uh, in 2011 um, and, and really became exposed to it for the first time about 10 years ago. Um, and whilst the U.S. Have, have had good results there, we'll always remember the Dos Zero in Columbus. Um, I, for me, there's, there's always been a sizable gap between the U.S. and Mexico national teams. I still think there is a gap, but it's getting smaller every single year. And it helps when you've got players like Christian Pulisic and Weston McKinney, Gio Reyna, uh, Tyler Adams, all playing their trade at Champions League football clubs and, and not just playing bit parts. You know, they're actually playing as well, you know, and that's only going to make them better footballers, you know. And uh, as much as we love Major League Soccer and, and adore it and what have you, it's the league in, in this country that, um, you know, just continues to get better. You know, with all due respect, it, it's not at the level of the Champions League. So whenever you get players that, that go over and, and play consistently at those sort of levels, then it's only going to get bigger and better, the national team. So it's um, it was really entertaining, Steve. I must admit, when Mexico scored within, I think it was 70 seconds, I I did worry. Um, <laughs> and it wasn't Mark McKenzie's <laughs> finest moment either. Um, maybe we'll get into the tactical side of it a bit later on. But but it was, from, a, from an entertainment point of view, Steve, I thought it was a tremendous watch. I thought it was probably one of, one of the most entertaining games between those two countries ever. I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. 
Yeah, I think it was I think it was 63 seconds, Cal. Uh, very it was very quick. Uh, it, you know, I, I've read a lot of the uh, sort of follow up and coverage and analysis and talking about, you know, that this is one of those uh, obviously, you know, like the Dos Acero game is as you know, I mean, that those kind of results are are, are great and they, they have their own legend. But um, showing that ability to sort of fight back from going down like that and it, within the first, you know, minute, minute, two minutes of the game. Um, that's another, that's sort of pushing to another level that I think is, is, is very encouraging. And then I think you also got a window into um, why it can be so compelling to watch uh, national soccer with uh, this sort of with Ethan Horvath coming on uh, and, and making that, uh, that save, you know, that's the kind of thing that, you know, it's, he was like a hometown kid, uh, you know, coming on uh, for injured Zach Steffen. It was just, it had all the trappings of, of, of the drama you want from that. There was a great photo that I'm sure people have seen on social media with uh, uh, Pulisic uh, celebrating with his team after, after scoring. And it's like, there is something to that. That's a little, that's a little different than just like, this is an entertaining game, which has good production value. And it's, it's fun. It's like, there's a little, it feels like there's a little skin in the game when you see stuff like that, Cal. Yeah, absolutely. It was just a thoroughly entertaining evening, Steve. And and, and I ended up going out with full of power and having a few beers to watch it. And, um, you know, it sort of, for me as well, it was um, an introduction back to sort of semi-normality. You know, no doubt there was still social distancing and what have you, but it, um, you know, I was with a, a bunch of fully vaccinated people and, and you know, fully vaccinated myself. And, and it just, it, it felt like old times. It felt like what, um, what we've missed essentially for the last sort of 18 months. And it feels as though, Steve, if things are starting to get back to, to semi-normality, it's come at the right time in the summer when we've got a feast of football um, with with the Euros, uh, with the Nations League qualifications, um, with with the Copa America, the Conmebol qualifiers, we were so football, um, and obviously MLS returning in, in in a week and a half again as well. So it's just um, it, it's perfect time. It really, Steve. I'm looking forward to this. I mean, you know, I'm I'm, uh, I'm semi disappointed. I was I was due to over in Europe working. Um, and COVID, unfortunately, has, has stopped that. But it, it's, um, you know, it, I'm looking forward to the summer, Steve. I really am. I'm looking forward to, to having a couple of couple of beers with some people, sort of enjoying this miniature MLS break and, and just watching some international football over the summer. It, it, it's, it's what the rest of the world will be doing. And, and this is why I love international football so much, Steve, because it really does, with our sport and our sport alone, really, brings the whole world together, you know, um, unlike any other sport. And, and this is why I love it so much. And, and I'm so excited for the summer and, and the feast of football that we've got. I really am. Yeah, I'll, I'll tell you, Cal, the thing that makes me most excited about international football is that the games are, are on at like 11 a.m. and stuff like that. Like just these times when, you know, sometimes I think when games are on late, I have a hard time. You know, I'm a parent. I watch, uh, you know, soccer uh, on the regular uh, at night for my job. And so sometimes it's like, you know, when that when that when Minnesota is uh, Minnesota United finishes their game, if it's an earlier game, it's very hard for me to stick around for like later games. But when you see games that are like on 11, like when we used to be in the office, which hopefully, you know, will be again uh, before too, too long, uh, you know, 
uh, you can just put it on the TV and be watching while you're working. And like, I can turn it on here and have it, you know, have it going on in the background. And that's, uh, it, it does give that feeling of like, it's happening all over the world, sort of all at the same time. You know, that's, it's, it's really fun. I mean, the world cup, obviously the greatest example of that when it's just in those early rounds and it's just like game after game after game. And that's, mm-hmm. that's really fun. Um, let's, let's dip our toes into the, the tactical element a little bit is, as, as you mentioned, it seems like Burhalter has been getting um, good reviews uh, for, for his approach overall and, and sort of how he approached um, uh, the formation and sort of uh, playing with some imbalances and how they attack and defend based on how many attackers and defenders, how many attackers are coming at them and things like that. Um, what was your assessment of, of, of how it looked as a setup going forward, uh, you know, from the beginning? Um, my initial thought, especially after the 63 seconds you said it was when Mexico mm-hmm. scored, yeah. um, was one of concern. Um, because I, I understand, I think I, I put something out on, on social media as well, Steve. I understand having an identity. I think it's important to have an identity and understand the way that the manager wants you to play and, and understand um, what to expect when you're coming into a, to a national team camp and, and, and essentially work towards the greater good. I, I, I understand the longevity of, of that uh, and the need for it. But I also understand abandoning that. I also understand perhaps approaching a certain opponent a little differently. So in my opinion, Steve, and it was evident after 63 seconds, I don't think it was in the best interest of the U.S. to play out of the back like they had been instructed to against a team like Mexico. I think you can do it against Honduras, and I say this with all due respect to these nations, um, it, it, against a lot of other CONCACAF teams, the U.S. can do that against Honduras, Costa Rica, some of the Caribbean countries. Like the U.S. can do that because the players, for the most part, are better. Um, but I think going up against Mexico, and, and it would be the same if they were going up against Argentina um, or France or Germany, England, someone like this, I would never expect the U.S. to start playing out of the back and, and try to, to emulate this free-flowing football. Um, and again, I say this with all due respect, Steve, I fell in love with the U.S. national team when I first moved here, and I'll, I'll, I'll support them because I live in the country. And, and let's be honest, the good national team is good for the sport here, so I'll always support the national team. But um, I think perhaps... Um, it was the approach against Mexico. Again, I understand the consistency of of wanting to play a certain way, but I thought it was naive going to play against Mexico that way. Um, it's okay to go direct. It, it's mm-hmm. okay to move the ball um, through the certain blocks um, in a certain way. You don't have to emulate Barcelona, you know, just just because people expect that you don't have to do that. Because ultimately, Steve, what what everybody cares about at the end of the day, when it's a, a final of that magnitude, you just care about the result. You know, no one's going to talk about how great they were in terms of playing the game and, and how great the intricate passing was because there wasn't. No, no, no one's going to talk about that, even if there was, because ultimately the result is what matters in that type of game. If it's a friendly, for example, the game against Switzerland, uh, what was it, last week? Mm-hmm. Um, I thought the Swiss were, were much better than the U.S. 
And it's okay to lose that type of game and try a few things out because it's a friendly match. It's an exhibition game. I think it's okay to try this um, this this short passing uh, in between lanes. I think that's okay in that situation. But against Mexico, I, I thought Berhalter was a little bit naive in trying to play that way. Um, I think the U.S. are going to get there at some stage. And look, again, the counter-argument to, to what I'm, I'm saying is that they're only going to get there by, by continuing to play that way. And I understand that argument. But I just think um, in a situation like that, it's okay to be direct. You look at the two goals from, um, from, from away from the penalty that Pulisic scored, they were offset pieces. And I remember saying to a pal who I was with um, whilst watching the game, I said, the only way the U.S. are going to score if they continue to play like this is through set pieces. Um, and that's exactly how they scored. And I think had they have gone a bit more direct from the very get-go, I think they would have been a bit more successful in, in certain parts of the field. So, um, you know, I, I just really interested to see what Bertha does for. Obviously, you want to play a certain style, and that's okay. I respect that. But I think against certain opposition in certain situations like a final like that against a much bigger opposition, I think it's okay to be more direct. I think it's okay to not expect to play a certain way, just win the damn game. Um, and again, I don't want to sound disrespectful here to, to Berhalter and to, to the national team themselves, Steve, but no, no doubt it's getting better. No doubt the quality of the national team is getting better, but, I'll stop dancing around the, the eggshells here. The simple fact of the matter is that the United States are not good enough right now to play like that against a team like Mexico. And I just thought going into that game, Berhalter was a little bit naive. And, and straight away, the US were caught out after 63 seconds uh, when Mackenzie goes to play it into, I think it was uh, DeAndre Yedlin. Um, just just <laughs> go along, go direct, play the ball away. And in that situation, um, I think playing out of the back was, was the wrong thing to do. But look, having said that, they got the results, um, but and I haven't seen statistically what what the final numbers were, Steve. Mm-hmm. But I don't really remember Ochoa, the goalkeeper for Mexico, having to make any major saves that weren't from a set piece, that weren't from a corner or a free kick, um, because I thought that was the best way the US were, were going to get themselves in front of goal, and, and that proved to be the way uh, that it panned out. And, and obviously, um, Christian Pulisic scored the the penalty to win it as well. Um, and great entertainment though, Steve. You know, at the end, obviously, you mentioned Ethan Horvath as well. Uh, literally a kid who who was born, I, I think it was 20 minutes away from Mile High Stadium, uh, Colorado kid, um, flying his, his, um, his trade in, in Belgium with Club Brugge at the moment. And, and uh, although I believe he's available, actually, I think his contract might have, might have expired. So if that is the case, so I'm sure he will have gained an admirer or two uh, after that game. So, um I thought from an entertainment perspective, Steve, it was great. Um, tactically, though, uh, I am beyond intrigued. I know there's a friendly tonight, isn't there, for the US? And I, uh, I would expect it to be much of the same in terms of playing out of the back. Um, but I, I am intrigued to see the Gold Cup and how the US approach it. Perhaps when they get to the knockout rounds in the quarterfinals. Again, group stage, I can understand. But I'm very, very interested to see what Berhalter does moving forward. 
Yeah, I mean, it's it's an interesting sort of philosophical question, Callan. It's one we obviously sort of wrestled with and talked about with regard to Minnesota United and that question of like, you know, how far does the the style that you want to sort of impose go? Uh, and when do you react to the opponent? And when do you want to put your, you know, be proactive and, and try to get out ahead and, and grab the game by the scruff of the neck? You know, like it's sort of like that great, the great Mike Tyson quote about everybody has a plan until they get punched in the face. And that's that was basically the u.s in 63 63 seconds in there getting punched in the face i do you know it's weird obviously i enjoy talking tactics because it's one of the things that we get to talk about i mean and we're the people who talk about it not the people who go out there and play it and tactics uh formations the analytics it gives us a lens to sort of understand this stuff but i definitely have a lot of affection having watched uh enough soccer now for you know as the game gets on uh, I think as as sub when subs come in and if a game is deadlocked or or, or t- even just tight, you know, like a goal difference going into that, you know, 65th, 70th minute. And it kind of is like all the tactics are just like, all right, we're just going to go back and forth until somebody can score. You know, like it just sort of breaks down a little bit. Stuff loosens up. There's a little less thinking. There's a little more reaction. I do love that stretch of the game down those last like 20 minutes or so uh, when it's like, let's just, let's just see what happens. Like, you know, we've thrown our punches. You've seen what our plan is. Now we got to play through it. And that's really fun. Um, Speaking of which, I'm going to use this as a a transition to talk about the draw against uh, RSL, which we didn't really get to, to wrap up. Um, I did want to give, I mean, I wanted to begin with Nico Hansen because uh, I really like Nico. I've had an opportunity to speak with him. He's incredibly uh, intelligent, thoughtful, uh, sensitive guy who's great to talk to, you know, is really focused on um, mental health as, as sort of his uh, link to the community. And we had a great interview with him about that, uh, which we talked about. It's great to see him. It was great to see him get out there. And it was great to see him score a goal, even if it was a really ugly goal. And, you know, sort of like you're saying, it's like sometimes you just got to be in the right place. You got to not think about like, you know, what's the best way to look good doing this. It's just like get in front of goal and get in the way of, of the ball <laughs> essentially. And sometimes you benefit from it. Uh, so it was a, it was, it was a thrilling, thrilling conclusion there. That was the epitome of right place, right time. Wasn't it? That goal from Nico Hansen. Um, yeah. <laughs> and just, you know, sometimes luck is on your side and, and, and the, the bounce just favours you and, and everything's good. So, um, Salt Lake game was interesting, Steve, because I, I thought it was a really good result on the road, um, considering there was no Emmanuel Reynoso. Uh, obviously, there was a late issue with the paperwork for Franco Fragapane as well. Um, so all, all that they had worked on all had to be scrapped at the last minute. Um I don't think too many people are talking about that. You know, let, let's give credit where credit's due here to the coaching staff and the players themselves. Um, everything had to change at the last minute because that morning, I believe, um, they were told there was an issue with the paperwork and, and Fagapane couldn't play. So they hadn't mm-hmm. had a chance to to assess RSL with essentially the team that they went with. So um, I think with all that in mind and having a centre-forward in Unu up front who, who was probably about 60% fit after he hadn't played in about seven weeks, um, I, I thought it was a really good result. Going away to RSL anyway is tough. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not even talking about the, the altitude or anything. You know, they're a, they're a tough team to go. A, any, any team, in my opinion, Steve, for the most part in this league, you go on the road, it's, it's tough to win in this league because of a lot of different reasons. But um, Salt Lake is always a tough place to go. So... Um, Bear in mind everything I've just mentioned there. Um, to, to go to Salt Lake and, and get a get a points, I thought was was a really good result. Um, 
I thought the team showed a lot of character. Um, and then even those that came in as well, I thought um, I thought Jacory Hayes had a, had a really mm-hmm. good game. I thought he closed down well. I thought he, he showed a lot of energy. I thought his passing was smart. Uh, I, I thought Jacory Hayes was good. Um, if, if memory serves me correct, I, I, I thought there was a couple of other good performances in there as well. I thought um, Dibassi again was 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 good, and obviously he was. It was noticeable that he made his return. Um, and uh, I, I, I just thought it was a solid performance. You know, to, to get a point away at RSL at a, at a conference rival, I think is always a good thing. So um, there's, there's, there will be a lot of people that go and lose at Real Salt Lake this season. Um, and I must admit, when when uh, Damir Krylak had, had scored after I think it was about 12 or 13 minutes, was it? I, I was a bit uh, a bit concerned. But again, I thought the team showed tremendous character um, to get a point at Real Salt Lake. It, it's not an easy place to go. Yeah, it seems like. Uh... I mean, again, it's it's a point on the road uh, on a, a game the week after a bye week before a break. We sort of talked about that, how it's going to be sort of odd. You know, you you were missing Reynoso. Uh, you got Unu. Uh, you thought Fragapane was going to be there, but he wasn't available. It's an odd game, but, it, you know, a result like that is 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 a really good one for the team. I, you know, I think I think you may have been mentioning on the broadcast that like that, that sense of Reynoso is so important to the team. Um, you know, he is... Uh, second in the MLS behind Carlos Hill in passes leading to shots per 90. He's, uh, you know, absolutely elite in terms of passes that are generating shots on goal. And he's taken, he's also taking the most shots on the team right now. He's taking 24 shots. So to, to be missing that guy and then to say, you know, we can go out and get a result, um, you know, by, by sort of gritting it out. And that was kind of how it was. I mean, it looked like without Reynoso, out there it did in the early going sort of look like this team has no cerebral cortex like it has no it's like pieces are moving but there's nobody in the middle who's like this is what we're going to do and so it did take a sort of just brute force like we're just going to hang in there uh and until we can get a chance and then even if it's an ugly chance like like nico hansen's it's it still counts so yeah i would agree steve i think it it, it took them about 45 minutes didn't it for them to really sort of settle and and understand what to do um, without Reynoso pulling the strings. And yeah, I, I agree with you completely, Steve. I can't remember if we mentioned it on the broadcast or not. I, I would hope we did because it's a, an obvious point in my opinion that I think it's it's important for this group to, from a psychological point of view, to understand that they can do it without him under Reynoso. Um, and okay, they didn't win, but they got a very good result on the road in a very difficult place. So I, I would assume psychologically, uh, mission accomplished there. So um but look, it, it was obvious, wasn't it? They missed Renoso. They missed him big time. And it just, again, proved how good he is. And I tell you what, Steve, for the game against Dallas um, next weekend, uh, or the weekend after, rather, um, you would assume the paperwork is no longer an issue for Fagapane. You would assume that Reynoso is going to go. Um, and after his goal and after his efforts, I would start Nico Hansen. So the three of those players behind what we're assuming is a, a much sharper and fitter Unu. Um, I think that attacking quartet is absolutely mouthwatering. I can't wait to see it in action. I'm really excited. Absolutely. When injury takes you out of the game, it's time for your team to step up. At Alina Health Orthopedics, you'll get expert care backed by a whole health system of providers. With convenient locations, virtual options, and an app that gives you 24-7 access to your records, test results, and care team, you're always close to the care that you need. Schedule now at alinahealth.org slash ortho. 
Uh, last week, uh, I got the chance to talk to Jeremy Sutherland, uh, who's been on the podcast before, talking about uh, during uh, Black History Month, we talked with uh, Jeremy and his brother, Justin, uh, who runs the Handsome Hog and is the uh, uh, Allianz Field culinary, official culinary consultant at Allianz Field. Uh, Jeremy runs a, um, a clothing company called Hybrid Nation that uh, Minnesota United partnered with. I may say all this stuff before the interview as well. So maybe I'm re being redundant. But anyways, we recorded it. We're going to take a listen to the uh, the interview right now talking about uh, the the capsule collection that was uh, launched. And I don't know what's left. I have a jacket that I have not yet picked up, but uh, eventually I will pick it up because uh, I just have not gotten out of the house. It's too hot to go anywhere. So uh, I believe our producer Tyson is queuing that up. And let's uh, let's listen to Jeremy Sutherland. Jeremy Sutherland, uh, welcome to the Sound of the Loons. Welcome back to the Sound of the Loons. Joining us uh, again, we talked uh, last last spring. I believe. Well, is it this spring? I can't keep track of time anymore. It was February. It was Black History Month. So. Yep. 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 <laughs> time. Time's flying. Time is flying for sure. It's all it's all just a complete uh, blur to me. So uh, we have you on the on the on the pod today to talk a little bit about uh, you talked about your your business Hybrid Nation before, and now uh, Minnesota United has released a collaboration with Hybrid Nation, uh, what they call a capsule collection, which is a chance for uh, MLS teams to work with uh, designers uh, on sort of custom uh, special collections. Uh, and and this year we're we're working with you guys uh, with with Hybrid Nation. Uh, why don't you just start by giving us a little overview of uh, you know Hybrid Nation for people who maybe hadn't heard about it before uh, or hadn't checked us out uh, checked you out on the podcast before. Let us know about you know how you got it started, uh, where it's at, you know how things are going. Yeah. So thanks. Um... We're a socially conscious streetwear brand. Um, you know, long story short, we, Kellen and I, um, co-founder, we both had a passion for uh, streetwear. We're sneakerheads, um, and also um, had a passion for promoting diversity and inclusion. And you know, based off of how we grew up, where we grew up, our backgrounds. You know, my, my mom being half Japanese, half Norwegian, my father being black, um, growing up in the burbs, playing basketball in the city and just kind of experiencing that dynamic and how um, how that all played a role in, in, in how I grew up. So we were over the past 10 years, we really kind of went full time with the clothing brand from the from the streetwear side and really getting involved in the community and trying to push our um our mission and our vision of just positively promoting diversity as i can see there right on your hat we give people an opportunity to you know wear you know really wear it on their head wear it on their chest and really making um what your morals values and what you believe in really easy to share with the people around you with a, a simple statement like in diversity we trust and making that a part of everyday um conversation and not just a staple one-off uh you know monthly shirt that tries to push an agenda we really wanted to fuse that into a day, everyday life 
Yeah, I uh, I really enjoy the hat. I got it after we uh, after we talked last, and it's I, it's I'm wearing the beanie, which is uh, you know it's it's warm now here in Minnesota, but it's still cold in my basement. So it actually I keep it near me. I just have I can just wear it in the basement, which is great. But I was definitely after talking to you and 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 Justin, your brother, uh, you know, last and talking about that sort of being able to wear your values. I mean, I really felt like he, I think Justin talked about when he's going around wearing the hat and he sees people and he sort of make that connection. You just see with somebody like yeah, this is what we're about. That, that really made me feel like this is something I want in, in my life to be able to show, uh, you know, outwardly, you know, what I'm, what I, what I would like to stand for and be about. Yeah, absolutely. And you, you want to make that easy. You want to make that, you, you want to make that conversation effortless and seamless. And and again, I think we, we kind of did it there with, with, with our statement, just simple as that it's on your head and you walk by someone and they look at your hat and say give you the thumbs up and you're like okay that's community right there yeah absolutely so tell me a little bit about how the the capsule uh collection came about how you got uh you know connected with minnesota united uh and and how you sort of viewed the project as you were getting ready to to get it going so um as a lot of people know, uh, my brother, Justin, he um, started working with Allianz Field and the Loons as I think the official title is culinary director. Yes, I think it's food guy, food official guy. culinary consultant at Allianz Field. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So um, he started working with them. We've always wanted to uh, collaborate with, you know, local major sports teams um, in the area. We had just come off a uh, collaboration with the Minnesota Timberwolves and with Justin work with Allianz and then coming on board with Hybrid Nation as a partner. Um, we thought it would be a good opportunity to try to get in with the loons. And so actually what we did is we ended up just making uh, what we thought would be a cool sample uh, collab piece with the loons. And we, we cooked up a couple samples and gave it to Justin. I said, bring this to your next meeting. <laughs> and um, I think they liked the concept. They obviously resonated with the brand and the values. And obviously soccer, you know, diversity and acceptance, inclusion, and, and no racism. That's a huge, huge um, underlying values of, of, of the, on the soccer field, being that it's such a worldly sport. And you got so many different types of people coming together on the field. So I've always liked that about soccer. Um, and yeah, the, the loons connected with it and we started dialing in and had a couple more conversations and um, ended up, you know, figuring out how we're going to do an official collaboration. That's awesome. I, I really like the, the, the collection. I got the, the quarter zip uh, track jacket. I've not gotten to pick it up yet. So it's not, it's not on me, but it's very Love bold. It. It's very big. Yeah. You know, it's, I really like the look of it. Um, you know, where do you where do you start in terms of designing? Uh, you know, like wh what made you sort of go in this direction? I know you also did some. Uh, Michael Boxel was uh, from the team was also involved in making yeah. some, of the, some of the design things. Uh, what was his involvement? And then and but you know, begin from where you started in terms of thinking of the collection. Sure. So first, we um, connected with Katie Burke and Felton over Felton over at the MLS and Katie over at the Loons and kind of talked about where we could go with it and actually we sent over some initial designs which which i'm i'm overall a pretty simple guy like small logos you know I'm, I'm usually pretty simple um but i also can go to the other end of the spectrum and go pretty loud so i have both i'm pretty bold with both of those and 
Um, so we sent over initially a pretty simple design and feedback from both Felt and Katie was like, Hey, how loud can you guys go? Can you, can you turn this up? <laughs> and, and it, they love the initial design, but I, something way outside of, you know, their normal box and something that was you know, going to be going to be loud and meaningful. So we did a round two, uh, both Felton and Katie um, kind of threw some inspiration at us and we created a design based off that. And what you what you purchased, the, the quarter zip, the joggers and the bomber jacket, those came from that collection. Um, yeah, and actually, I think it was a first round. First round, I think we 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 solidified it after the first round. Made some minor tweaks. Katie Felton threw in some, um, you know, some little changes, and and we got it uh, approved. And then, as far as Michael Boxel goes, he came on. Katie wanted to. It was Katie's idea to kind of connect with one of the players and have one of the players actually make a collaboration piece. Um, so we were able to connect with Boxel. Did I think he was in? He was out of the country, and so our timing was really crazy. Mm. I think we had to wake him up at like four o'clock in the morning or something for our first for our first Zoom call. Yeah. Um, and we wanted to settle on a hat. He's he's like me with with the piece. He really wanted something simple, clean, but something that. Um, you know, just another statement piece, though. So he chose to work off the Indiversity Truck Dad hat. Um, and then he created, he did an inside label. We did a tonal um, embroidery with the loon on the side. Mm-hmm. And then he picked, chose the loon feather, uh, which kind of stood for that uh, individual, you know, individual within a community, but all working together as one which was really cool. And so that was all his concept, um, along with the in, um, diversity, our city um, tagging in there. So really cool to work with him. He, he kind of knew exactly what direction he wanted to go, bounce some stuff back off, back and forth off of him. And um, yeah, and then we came up with that. Yeah, it's it's uh it's neat to hear about the process and also, you know, like working with working with a with a player and sort of some of the sort of yeah. symbology that comes along with it. I saw the hat, I really like the the individual loon feather and everything like that. I'm not really a dad hat yeah. guy. I'm like a I'm a fitted cap guy, so uh yeah, it's yeah. Not, not really my vibe, but uh <laughs> but it looks really good. Yeah, no, and we we went through, we did a bunch of samples on some dad hats, some trucker hat, um uh fitted hats. So the the dad hat is kind of in right now. So yeah. So we had to we had to go with the dad hat. You, you might try it. You might I'm try not, it out. <laughs> I'm not cool anymore. I'm too I'm too old to keep up and now. It's like the things that I thought were cool, they're not cool anymore. So <laughs> now now you just wear it and just be be dad hat guy. <laughs> I mean I am a dad. I feel like I should I should just accept the dad hatness of it. So <laughs> you can be you can you can go cool cool guy dad hat or you can just go I'm a dad. Yeah. <laughs> <in a> dad hat. <laughs> Just get on the khakis, you know, just, you uh, just, just, just do it up. I should probably, I should probably start leaning into it at some point. So, yep. Yep. There you go. Uh, well, Jeremy, uh, thanks so much for joining us and talking a little bit about, a little bit about this collection. I mean, I know it's going fast. I don't even know if we're going to have anything left by the time we're talking about it, but it's still a fantastic project and it's great to hear about it. Yeah, there's, um, I think what we're finding is we're, we are sold out of many sizes on our sites. 
and uh, the loons as well. So you might have to mix and match to find your size. It's available both on our site and uh, the Minnesota loons um, team store. So find a little combo where it fits in. We definitely have a few dad hats left just for you. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, but it, it, it went fast. Um, we actually, the site, the site crashed within the first few minutes. So that felt, I was kind of like a cool panic. I was like, right. wow, we're getting that much traffic. We, we crashed. So no, but we got it back up and running and, and it went really, the drop went really well. Yeah. It's, it's a mix of when something like that, you're like, I'm glad cause it's, it's doing well, but also now it's now uh, we're in crisis mode. So. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, Jeremy, thanks so much. Yeah. Thank you again for having me on. It was a very successful drop. I think, I mean, I don't know if anything's left, but that was like a week, a week ago. So it seems like it was going pretty quickly there. Uh, the stuff looks great. Uh, have uh, we, we talked a little bit about it on the show. Do you, do you, are you a baseball hat guy? Have I ever seen you wear a baseball hat? Um, not really a hat guy, to be honest, Steve, in terms of baseball caps. Anyway, I've got a little, um, uh, like a little flat cap, if you will, that I'll wear from time to time. But um, baseball caps, just they just don't suit me, mate. I've got a weird head. I've got an English <laughs> head. It doesn't really work, you know? <laughs> the, the flat cap, I mean, it keeps with the sort of like, you know, British, uh, you know, Peaky Blinders-esque uh, kind, of, kind of vibe you're, you're cultivating. So um, let's talk a little bit about uh, – we we're, were already going a little long here, but let's talk a little bit about Loons Abroad. Uh, it's the international break, which is why we're uh, not playing games uh, right now. Let's start with uh, Yuka, uh, Raitala, and Robin Lud. Uh, they're into um, uh, what is it? Euro Euro Cup Euro Cup you, Euro. Euros? I mean, look, Euros Euro twenty twenty. <laughs> There's a lot of names. I was confused because it was like Euro twenty twenty. I'm like, it's twenty twenty one, guys. Like. Um, but in any case, Finland is facing off against Denmark on Saturday again at 11 a.m. It's a great day. It's a great time to play uh, a soccer game to watch. Um, uh, that's 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 pretty exciting. What do you expect from uh, Finland in this uh, in this this round of, of Euros? Oh, it's a tough group they're in, Steve. Denmark, Russia, and Belgium. Um, Belgium, arguably top three team in the world right now, um, and I think a lot of people are suggesting that for them. It is a golden era with Kevin De Bruyne playing out of his mind. Lukaku has been incredible for Inter Milan this year. Um, they, they've got some exceptional players. Eden Hazard, um, one of the very best, although he hasn't, he hasn't hit the ground running at Real Madrid. He's still, still wonderful. Um, the suggestion is, is that perhaps it's now or never for this generation for Belgium. So I would expect them to finish top of the group. But, but I do think um, that, that second spot, is, is up for grabs. Um, Russia are good. They've got some good players. Uh, the, the Danes all, always seem to, to have um, a decent crop of players as well. Um, I, I think for Finland, Steve, it's just for them, I, I'm not going to go and christen them as just happy to be there, but it's, um, it, it's going to be remarkable for them because it's their first ever major tournaments. So um, I, I think they'll obviously not that they'll want to do as well as they can, obviously. They don't just want to, you know, um, just play a couple of games and, and go home. That's not what, what's the point, you know? So um, I'm not going to say that they're going to finish second or even third. In, in some cases, third can, can get you through. I, I don't think that's going to be the case. Um, you know, I, I just, I think a lot of it will come down to, to this opening game. Um, sometimes in these tournaments, you, 
your best chance of getting a result when you're in a group like this is the opening game because you, you do have um, the element of, um, you know, I'm, I'm sure the Danes have done their scouting extensively on, on Finland, but um, I think out of all of them, the, the Danes may be the, the weaker of, of the other opponents in the group. So I think Finland have got a chance to get something there. If Finland gets three points against Denmark, you know, you've got two games then, so you can set up shop and try and, sit back and counter and what have you and you've got a genuine chance you know the, the, the opening games of these these group stages are so important Steve so if if, if uh, Finland can get themselves a positive result against Denmark then who knows yeah um, and uh, our other uh, loon abroad uh, in that in that tournament Jan Gregush uh, in Slovakia they face uh, Poland on Monday uh, at 11 11 a.m. This podcast has already gone on far too long. Obviously, uh, how do you how do you assess uh, Slovakia uh, and in this tournament? Then again, it's going to be tough, Steve, because they're in a group with Poland, Spain, and Sweden. Um, it's tough sledding. It, Poland, um, you would you would argue it's between Poland and Sweden um, as to who, who's look. Slovakia are the weakest team in the group. But in terms of who Slovakia could could get something against, it's either Poland or Sweden. I, I just can't see them getting anything against Spain, and I, and I say that with all due respect. Um, Poland have have got a lot of very good players, uh, but it, it, it comes down to stopping Lewandowski. <laughs> that that's the the simplicity of it. If you can stop him, then maybe you've got half a chance. Um, Sweden again, I I think um, again a lot of good players that apply their trade around some top leagues in Europe. Um, it's going to be tough, Steve. I'm being brutally honest. It's going to be really tough for Slovakia. Um, if, if they get out of the group, it's it's a wonderful tournament for them. Um, but the positive spin on that is that Jan Gregush would then be available for Minnesota um, once he's done his quarantine and what have you. But um, either way, Steve, look, it, it's it's tremendous for Minnesota to have these players uh, on the international stage. I believe I'm correct in saying this. Outside of Europe, Minnesota United are the only team that have three players at Euro 2020. That's not a bad look at all, you know? So it, it, it's great. It doesn't matter where they're playing. It's just great that Minnesota United are in the headlines for all the right reasons there. So it's um, it's going to be great. We're all going to be cheering them on here in the Twin Cities, aren't we? So I'm looking forward to it, Steve. As I said earlier on, mate, I'm just looking forward to international football over the summer. It's um, It just feels right, and, and I'm very excited. Yeah. All right, let's uh, let's... Touch, last thing I want to touch on here uh, in the pod here is the All-Star Game, which was just announced. Uh, it's once again MLS versus Liga MX on August 25th. Uh, they released a, a pretty hot promo for it, which uh, had Tyson uh, queue up so we could watch with a voiceover by Danny Trejo, who you may know from Quentin Tarantino films. And he does uh, an excellent job. It's mostly why I wanted to call attention to it. So uh, let's let's hit it, Tyson. Welcome back, my friends. Forget what you know about this place. We play a different game. Some play the hero. 
some played a villain. Everyone's a player one way or another. For the first time ever, the best of two leagues. Rivalry at the next level. Best versus best. Where else could this go down? Welcome to a new tradition. Representa tu liga. Danny Trejo. Oh my God. <laughs> he sounds great, doesn't he? I was just hoping it's a video. Obviously, some people listening to this, if you're not watching it, you can go watch that clip. But uh, my only disappointment is I wanted Danny Trejo to get out of the car, uh, you know, like for him to actually be in the in the in the spot. But uh, it's still great. It's very dramatic. It's happening in Los Angeles. It's 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 going to be exciting, Kyle. You know, Steve, when we first got wind of this a couple of days ago, I instantly got really excited um, because this hasn't happened for a long, long time. Um, I, I know, I, in fact, in any sort of official capacity, I'm not sure it's happened. I know there was a time when the MLS All-Stars played like maybe a best 11 of Liga MX or something along those lines, but it, it, I don't think it's ever been officially MLS All-Stars, Liga MX All-Stars. Um, it's about time, let's be honest. Um, it's obvious that the two leagues are, are starting to get closer and working together as well. Um, looking ahead to the 2026 World Cup, so it's only a good thing. But um, LA is the perfect place to, to do this as well. Um, I'm excited, Steve. I, I hadn't seen that video until just now. Um, and I got shivers and goosebumps. And I'm, I'm very, very excited. You know, that there's going to be so many great players on show. I can't wait for, inevitably, when Javier Hernandez and Carlos Vela, of course, provided they're not injured, um, play against the Liga MX All-Stars. Um, and I, I'm excited for a lot of the, the Liga MX players to come here and for a lot of them to to sample um, MLS and the quality of it um, for, for the first time for a lot of them. Uh, can't wait to see uh, Andre Pierre Gignac. He's been sensational for Tigres for, for years, um, has, has scored so many goals, uh, especially against MLS clubs in the CONCACAF Champions League. So, it's going to be great, Steve. I'm really, really excited about this one. This might be the most anticipated All Star game ever. Yeah, I think it's going to be it's it's going to be really fun. What do you think? So we've had so Francisco Calvo played in the All Star game. Uh, Romain Metanier played in the All Star game as well. What do you think are the chances of a of a loon getting in there this year? I think it's good, Steve. I would uh, I would take Reynoso. Um, you know, I know there's a lot of players in that position in this league that would probably say the same. Um, but having seen all-star rosters in the past, it's usually um, heavy leaning towards attacking players. So I would absolutely say if Reynoso, um, you know, is, is as good as we all know he can be throughout the, the campaign, then I would see no reason why he wouldn't go. Um, let's hope as well that Unu hits the ground running and can score a couple of goals and grab the attention of whoever's making these decisions for the all-star team. Um yeah, I'm, I'm excited, Steve. I'm really, really excited. Um, and yeah, Homo Metinier will, will always be within a shout of, of these types of occasions as well. He's still one of the best right backs in Major League Soccer. So um, yeah, I'm excited, Steve. This, this has really, really got me giddy. I'm looking forward to that. 
Yeah. All right. Well, we'll be back next week. We'll be, uh, I was going to get into more about returning to near full capacity for Allianz field, but let's just, we'll just say that for next week. We're already, it's already 15 minutes. So, uh, we'll just, we'll just say goodbye for today and then we'll, we'll, we'll catch you up next week. Thanks for joining us for the 147th sound of the loons podcast presented by Alina health orthopedics. 147. That's a lot of podcasts. Uh, and sometimes it hits me. Be sure to leave us a nice review on iTunes or at the very least a five-star rating and follow the team on Twitter at MNUFC. You can follow Cal at CalWilliams.com and me at Steve Entris. Apologies, as always, to Richard Wagner. And remember, there's only one person in this whole world like you, and people can like you exactly as you are. <laughs>